Today, seeing as there are no meetings to line up, we're devoting our entire show to an interview with the grand dame of Bloomington politics, Charlotte Zitlow. She's perhaps more famous for wearing hats than Michael Shermis is. Politically, she's worn many hats too, having served as county commissioner from 1981 to 89, having run for mayor, but mostly for having served as the first ever female president of the Bloomington City Council after the 1971 election, when 10 of the city's 11 elective offices changed hands the most in the city's history. Charlotte Zitlow talked with me about how she got into politics, how she decided to run for council in an era when women were all but discouraged from participating in political matters. She talked about the election herself and the aftermath when all her running mates realized they would now have to lead. Her second book, a memoir of that period, is called 1971, How We Won, and was published by Pen and Ink Press in 2022. Without further ado, welcome to the 812. Charlotte Zitlow, welcome to the 812. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So help us set up, set the stage. Uh, what made you run for city council? Well, there were a lot of things. First of all, it was a general idea that I was getting very interested in local politics. This was about when? Late 1960s? In, in 1960, I worked for John Kennedy in Michigan, mm-hmm. and I changed votes because I was a minister's daughter, and people told me they couldn't vote for Kennedy, even though they liked him, because he was Catholic. And I said, well, I'm a minister's daughter, I'm Lutheran, and I'm going to vote for him. You can, too. And to my amazement, I changed votes, about <laughs> 40 votes that, that I counted for sure. In Michigan, where he won by less than a vote per precinct, and those votes, I was told, I learned that one vote makes a big difference. And one person getting one of those votes makes a big difference. So I was interested. And we had just moved back from brought from Czechoslovakia, where my husband had was a, a guest professor. We were living in Bratislava for a year, which was at, at that time under the Warsaw Pact. And we found out what it was like to live in a, in, in a country where there was no law. There was no rule of law. It was a rule of changing ideas from day to day. The people in charge could make up the decisions all the time. In other words, it was the opposite of the uh, American democracy that we were used to. And and so it made me quite aware of, of local government as well as the aware, the aware of the feeling of inadequacy and helplessness that the people we learned to know had in Bratislava. So, so that I, was uh, the Kennedy election in the early 60s. Yeah. And then you moved to Bloomington a few years later. Yes, we moved here in 64, and this was in 68, 69. And when we came home, we found that there had been changes in the Democratic Party in Monroe County because of the 1968 or, yeah, 68 primary. And and the there had been a kind of revolution in the the precinct structure here, and I was asked to, 
to take over a precinct, which I did. When you, and, wait, let's stop a second. When you say a revolution in the precinct structure, what does that mean? That, that um, what, it's a little complicated. Kennedy, the, this Monroe County was very strongly pro Gene McCarthy, very anti-war. This is a Vietnam period. Mm-hmm. And he, he was very popular here. And then Bobby Kennedy came to Indiana that fall, spring. He was the first person to declare against um, McCarthy for the presidential nomination. <coughs> and and uh, he, he, he won the state, but, but McCarthy won this county. And for reasons unbeknownst to any of us, the state Democratic chairman allotted the delegates uh, for McCarthy, who had won this county, to the third party, which was a, a stalking horse for, for Hubert Humphrey, who was okay, but he did not win. And people all here were furious. And they said, who, who let these precinct committee people be, yeah, do what they do? And they looked up the law and found out the law said that, that that precinct committee people would get elected, and you know there was an open open election. Right. So they launched a campaign in Monroe County and threw out the old precinct precinct people. people. And then when they when I got back, they said, "Would you run a precinct?" And I said, "I would." And and we got to work, and I found out that there was real interest in changing things here. What did it mean to run a precinct in 1969? What it meant in the 60s, that meant there were so and so many people in a precinct, which included a number of neighborhoods. And the precinct committee person was obliged to go out and knock on every door in the precinct to, to get people involved in the campaign. So it was, you know, party building for any party that for they any had, party exactly you know, precincts, and they were much more used, I think, than they yes. are now. And I, I was just brand new. I did, really didn't know many people, and there, and I found out that there were other people who were interested in the city council because they were kind of fed up with what the way the 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 city was being run, and, uh, go ahead. and as well as the as the. As the Democratic Party was being run here, so I jumped into the fray. Okay, so um, when you say that people were frustrated with the way the city was being run, how would you characterize how the city was being run? Well, this is a southern county. We I moved here from Michigan, mm-hmm. and I had li- been brought up and lived in Miss Wisconsin and Minnesota, and I was not aware that Indiana was as conservative. And as southern as it was, mm-hmm. I learned, for example, that when I started knocking on doors, that many of the people on the west side, for example, had come from the south. And the black community here was southern. And many of the other people, too, came from the uh, Virginia and from the mountains. So it was a southern state. I had no idea. Hmm. And, and they were very conservative about many things. My guest is Charlotte Zitlow, who was the first ever female president of the Bloomington City Council in 1972. So how was the city being run by the elected officials at the time? Well, it was being run by a handful of people who didn't listen to people. You know, the city, there were issues in 
that, that had people worked up in the community, for example. They wanted to build a high-rise building on Kirkwood for senior citizens. A high-rise building for senior citizens? Yes, on, city, on, on Kirkwood. Really? Yeah. Have you ever heard of such a thing? No. Practically. Well, how high was a high rise? Well, six six stories. Well, <laughs> that would be uh, that's not so not so big today. No, okay. not so big. Today. But it was a big deal then. But then it was a big deal, and most people didn't like it. And there was something else going on in the inner part of the city. Uh, there were a lot of single-family houses being bought. And then the people who bought them would go to the city council and ask to have the zoning move from single-family residential to multifamily residential within the same block. So, so there were a lot of kind of jerry-built um, apartment so buildings. In other words, spot zoning. Spot zoning, exactly. And, and, and of course, that, that was really changing the nature of the neighborhoods. And, and people were upset about that. So anyway, I found out that they were very upset about that. And, and the, for me, it was not only the issue itself, it was the fact that they were not being paid attention to that bothered them. And for me, that was the worst thing. Not that people- Who was not being paid attention to? The, the voters. Because hmm. I went out knocking on doors and I went up and down the streets, as people did in those days mm-hmm. and should be doing now. And- you know, act and they, they say one of the things I did was a lot of homework. I went and read the the minutes for the meetings from the last six years and found out, yeah, there was a lot of lot of uh, not peop of the city council not listening or paying attention to people who came and spoke. Well and, I understand that um, it was worse than that that they basically had meetings that lasted very little time and they took no public input. Well, they would. This is a typical meeting we, you, that I started going to and saw. There were a number of citizens in the in the audience, and and just at the last minute, the, the council would walk in from the mayor's office where they had laid their coats because there were no coat places any place else, and and sit down, and somebody would say that they'd start with a prayer, and. <laughs> And then they would start saying, they would read, read something by title only. Well, what was that all about? We don't know. Somebody raises their hand, they're ignored. So no, normally uh, these days we read by title and synopsis. Yes. Well, and then, then we have two hearings about it. Yes. And so you're saying that they would only read the title and then what would happen? And then they would vote. And people would be sitting in the audience waving their hands trying to get attention. And no, they did not. I found that that disrespectful, to say the least. So the council members wouldn't call on members of the public or no. would invite them to speak? Correct. And, and that went on and on. So they, they, people were upset about that. They felt they weren't being represented and their voices were not being heard. And it was true. So anyway, I, can, I knocked on doors and people would say, Charlotte, I say I'm running for city council because I'd like to. Okay, wait. So let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. So you were a precinct person, and then you saw what was happening in council, and you decided you were going to run for city council in 1971. Yes, that's what I did. Okay. So as you went knocking on doors as a candidate, what happened? 
I, I just said, I'm Charlotte Sidlow, and I'm running for a council in the third district, I think it was our fourth. And, and they'd say, oh, really, who are you running against? And I would say, um, Harry Day. He was a famous chemist who had helped develop um, a toothpaste with fluoride. Oh, Crest. Crest, yeah. yeah. So he was well-respected. He was a big man in his church. And well, and they say, oh, Harry Day, he's a nice man. He'll be hard to beat. And I say... Well, I think I know he's a nice man. I'm sure he'll be hard to beat. But I just read the minutes of the meetings for the last six years, and there are a whole bunch of of, of um, changes in the housing code where people people are bringing their property and and asking for it to be moved to uh, multifamily residential. And they said, "Yeah, I hate that." They would say, "Oh, I hate that. We can't just stop that." I said. They said, and I said, did you know that he, in the last few years, he voted for every single one of those? And they said, what? I said, yes, he did. It's in the book. And they said, shook their hands and said, well, that, I didn't know that. Well, it's true, I said, and I wouldn't do that. So that was a big issue. It doesn't sound very sexy right now, but it was very, very important. On the contrary, I think it's quite consistent with politics 50 years later that uh, certainly uh, people are still concerned about how the areas of the city are zoned. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was one of the things. And I just campaigned very hard. And I'm pretty good at campaigning. So it seems because you uh-huh. and, uh, and not only did you win, but uh, there eight were, of the nine colleagues you ran with won and flipped the, yes. the council. And, and the mayor. And the mayor. And the mayor. And that was that was unique. I mean, it became from eight to one Republican. It was eight to one Democrat. And went that. from a Republican to a Democratic mayor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. guest is Charlotte Zitlow. She is the former city council member from the nineteen seventy one election, who served a momentous term in city council, which we're talking about today. We'll be back with more after a break. This is the eight one two. My guest is Charlotte Zitlow, author of two books and former county commissioner and city council member. We're talking about her term on the city council from 1972 to 76. Before we get to the actual task of ruling uh, in the 1971 election, which is mostly the subject of your of your most recent book, um, you uh, were there. There were epithets used. To describe you, the most uh, significant one, I think, was they called you the Ph.D. housewife. Yeah. Uh, where did that come from and why? Why? Well, I don't know. 
when when I decided to run, a very liberal person in town came up to me at a party and said, "So, Charlotte, are you? I hear you're thinking of running for city council." And he said, "Well, isn't that a, that's really funny?" He said, "That's all we need for the city council is a mere housewife." That was a liberal. Wow. Yeah. And I said, well, actually, it is what you need. I said, you know, I drive around the streets every day more than my husband does. I take the children to the parks. I wash the dishes, and I know what the water pressure is. And so I know what's going on on a very basic level. And that's what you need on the city council is a mere housewife. But you weren't a mere housewife. You I had a PhD. What was your PhD? My in? PhD was a wonderful preparation for running for city council. <laughs> it was a critical edition of the Gothic version of the Epistle to the Romans. <laughs> what what kind of major are you ta- are you majoring in when you when you that's your thesis? Linguistics. Okay. <laughs> so you had a PhD in linguistics in the nineteen sixties. Yes. And here was this. So supposedly liberal uh, denizen of Bloomington uh, dismissing you as a mere housewife. Yeah, well, he knew about mere housewives because he knew that they shouldn't be teaching at the university, especially oh. if they had husbands. Oh. Yeah. Well, so, this is a very different time, wasn't it? It is. A, it was a different time. But I mean, uh, how did, so somebody started dismissing you as a so-called PhD yes. housewife. Wasn't that in the paper? Oh, yes. It was on the headlines. Mm-hmm. In fact, the the when I won it was the somehow the somehow inferior candidate rolled rolled to victory or something like that. I was somehow inferior. You were somehow inferior. Being a wife and a housewife, of, and nobody even mentioned the thesis. Wow! So the PhD housewife wins along with uh, with eight, eight, with was, seven other Democrats. Yeah, and, seven other Democrats. So. Basically, the entire population of the council flipped almost all but one. Yes. And uh, none of you had any experience. Yeah, exactly. And the mayor was new. Yes. Uh, so it was a very, very strange time, 1972. Yes, I think I can imagine that the people in the community were kind of scratching their heads to say, what will happen now? But which they, should, which they had the right to do. Yeah. So what did happen? Well, for one thing, one of the things that brought us all, all together, the eight Democrats and, and the um, mayor, mayor, that mayor Frank McCloskey. Yeah, that was Frank McCloskey, mm-hmm. who we later went on to Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 mm-hmm. we we all thought we all agreed that what we really wanted was open government. We wanted to be able to talk to our our, our the people who represented us and who acted. We we wanted to be able to. T- give suggestions and participate in the decision-making. Right. That, that was very important. And and I must say, the, the ninth person who was a Republican was Jack... Jack Morrison. Morrison. Mm-hmm. And in our very first meeting, we, had a, we introduced and passed unanimously a resolution to name him number one on the council. Number one. Yes, you mean like the senior member or the chair? We just said number one. <laughs> he was in the first district, and and he was he was you know he was he we he felt as if he was on the outside. We wanted to make him feel welcome, so oh. he called us. It seems sort of silly at the time, but I don't think it was silly. It was, no, I think it was very kind. 
uh, he ran Morrison's appliances over yes, in West Kirkwood. Yes, didn't he? and he considered himself the West Side, the mayor of the West Side. And he and, and there were many people on the West Side who had televisions and refrigerators because of Jack Morrison. He was a decent guy. He was a he was a, a like Lakota Sioux, half Lakota Sioux, huh. and, and he had been treated rather disdainfully by his fellow Republicans on yeah. the previous council because he wasn't one of them. So he it was fairly easy for him to come over to our side or to be with us to to help us. And we we knew that he knew more about running a meeting than we did. So that comes to, to that point. At some point, you had to start running meetings on your own, and you weren't going to run them like the previous council did, where they just, they're done in five minutes. And exactly. They don't do any discussion of ordinances. Yes. So what happened? What did you do? Well, what happened? Well, I was elected president, and I, was, I recently I talked to Jim Jim Ackerman, who's still living. He's the only other member of this crew that's still alive. And I said, Jim, why was I? Not, why, why did you elect me president? And he said, well, Charlotte, you were the leader. I didn't realize that at the time. But you were the leader of that group. Yes, I was the leader. I, I worked harder, probably, and talk, probably talked more. But I always asked questions and listened. I was a good listener. But I mean, even though you came in with this new crew of forward-thinking individuals, they didn't have to treat you any better than that so-called liberal uh, resident of Bloomington. That's right. Who dismissed you. They could have elected one of, I mean, there were seven other men. Yes. Elected one of them. So do you have any idea why they... Uh, I think I was I was nice. I, I listened to them and paid attention to them. And they could see that I really believed in that. And we, we our first meeting was really interesting. It started at 7.30. And we started with one thing after another. Each each one of us had a, had something we were very interested in. Especially, I was especially interested in social services mm-hmm. and and healthcare, and generally open meetings. And and then there was somebody who was very interested in parks. Somebody who was very interested in animals. Somebody who was very interested in in planning and zoning. Somebody who was very interested in in uh, uh, openness, uh, open government, open government, and we had two ministers mm-hmm. and one son of a minister. Who That's was a our, lot of uh, was our clergy pro- related. Yeah, we had, and and we had somebody who was very active in the synagogue. Actually, one of the founders of, of Beth Shalom hmm. here. So we had a very in- interesting mix of people. And we were ready for everybody. So you would serve for president as president for two years. Yes. Uh, what uh, what challenges did you face trying to run the council? Well, the the one thing that I noticed was that I we we had to do budgets, and we were very concerned about budgets. And I am a housewife. I'm a mere housewife, so I know about budgets. It's more on the meat and potato side. Two million dollars was quite a bit to to look at and say we were doing. That's how big the budget was then. Well, Two million dollars. Well, no, but there were t- parts of the budget. It was even more than that. Yeah, I figured. We didn't normally work have a two million dollar budget at home, but we I didn't know how to add and subtract, and to, um, <laughs> and and so I read the budgets very carefully, mm-hmm. and so did my fellow members, and so. But every now and then somebody, well, 
later on, that's a different story. I was just told that I couldn't understand a budget if, if I'd never met a payroll. Well, of course, nobody ever read a payroll. Nobody? On the city council, yeah, yeah. all of my fellow yeah. commissioner, council members, they hadn't, neither had the mayor ever run, run a, met a payroll. And we were meeting payrolls. Well, now, when you said you were studying the budget, that raises the question of um, there were departments with department heads. Did they get held over from the previous administration? Well, yes. No, most of them not. Mm. We Very importantly, the controller was changed. Okay. And it was a woman. And Frank appointed the woman who ran a title company. Oh, okay. And she was very good. I see. So and the former controller was some was a man, man. and and he had been involved in something that got the the former mayor in trouble. Was this have to do with the building on Kirkwood? Yes, that does. It was sort of a well. To, to they were very anxious to build this building downtown, and they needed a place to put it. And there was land available at the corner of of Dunn and Kirkwood, where where Dunkirk Square where is Dunkirk now. Dunkirk Square is, mm-hmm. and so they decided to to. To, to buy the land so that there would be a place for this thing they wanted. Uh, they and But they didn't have money in the budget. And so they used money from the utilities. They used city money to buy the land. They used utilities money oh to buy goodness. the land. And that was actually not legal. Yeah. And eventually there was enough stir in the community, mainly among the Republicans, to get to, to ask the mayor to be indicted. Wow. There, there was a Republican prosecutor, mm-hmm. and the Republicans were asking. So, so, so there was a division in the Republican Party. And they thought, we'll get that guy, and we'll get our guy in there. Instead, hmm. he, got, he, got, he did get arraigned, and he was, went on, on trial, and he was ultimately fined $2. <laughs> $2. Yeah. And the, it was Tom Berry. And was the prosecutor. Was the prosecutor. And and there was a, there was one woman. It was a hung jury actually, but they got the two 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 dollar. So they were convicted, but they were fined two dollars for. Yeah. That why didn't they get punished more heavily for misusing? Because they money? weren't in. They, they actually the heart of the prosecutor wasn't in it. Okay, so uh, back to the new term and. Uh, you all yeah. were, I mean, running the city. You, you, uh, yes, and I, you studied the budgets yeah. uh, very intensively. Well, we also, even in that very first meeting, we one of one of our members was interested in recycling, and there was a man, a downtown merchant, who wanted to start a recycling program, mm-hmm. and there was a woman who came forward and said, "We need to have a place to have." Um, uh, to, for help for venereal diseases and battered women, mm-hmm. and there was a shelter in town. So you, we 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 were asked to do that, and then there was a there was somebody else complaining about the roads and the sidewalks, which was a big issue too for me. And we went down the list. I think about fifteen things that we had mentioned in our campaign. So basically, all these these demands had been piling up, and yeah. you were finally able to address them yes. in the new council. And, and what we did was we had each member of the council ended up having a, a committee that, that addressed one of these issues, hmm. and we asked for a report back within so-and-so 
many weeks or months, whatever it hmm. seemed. And we started, out of that, we got, we started a whole bunch of things. We resolved a fight between the, the Humane Society and the animal control people. Uh-huh. We, we, we did vote to improve the parks and, and, and approved a bond issue for that. We, we, we created Brian de St. Croix, a 25-year-old member of our council, who was very smart, and he was interested in, in, in the economy and, and started a, a, a committee to determine what the status of our workforce was. Mm-hmm. And what, what I, I had gone to the Chamber of Commerce before, during the campaign, and I said, what are you doing for the, for, to, to give more jobs here? Because I couldn't get a job. <laughs> and there were not a lot of people like me who were over overqualified. Right. And 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 unfortunately we were we would end up taking the jobs of people who were less qualified, you know, the retail jobs and and this, so there wasn't much left for a lot of people. Because this is not a highly educated uh, basic group of people in town. You mean the community at the, the community. time? At the time, yes. Well, so so you... we 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 started down that line in every direction. We rewrote the human rights ornament 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 ornament. Yeah. ornament. <laughs> we rewrote that. We we that we, was the final uh, bill of that term, I think. Brian de Saint Croix uh, yes. sponsored that bill. Yeah. Well, he sponsored the amendment to the. We made it even better later on, and we got a faculty, and we started an environmental commission. Which we, and we started using work study students, which nobody. Oh, the commission on the status of women started during that oh, term yes. too. The, and and Mayor, Fernand, Mayor McCloskey vetoed it. He vetoed. And you guys overrode it. Yeah, and it still exists. And it does. It's, and so anyway, well, we had the list of things we wanted to start in on, and we started in on them immediately, and and we, what as yes. Council president, I had to learn how to run a meeting, mm-hmm. which one of the things I found out when you're chair, you have to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to listen and be and be sure everybody gets called on. That's right. But you can't you can't be the one speaking all the time. That's correct. And I think that's very important. That was an important thing for me to learn because I went on to run a number of different organizations and I. Oh, was it? That, that that was just very important. So we helped each other, and we opened we opened the community to participation. You know, you you want you want a healthcare thing, you have to help us with that. You want recycling, you have to help us with that. You you want you want environmental protection, you've got to bring your expertise to us, and 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 you have to participate in. And we'll listen to you, and we'll go along with you if it makes sense. You only spent one term on the council. Why did you? Why was did you not run for reelection? We had a, in the course of that that four years, we had an issue about the location of the um, sewage treatment plant, mm-hmm. and we, we it was it was an issue, and the mayor and I did not agree. And he did not listen to that. And there were some other things where we disagreed. 
I ended up running for mayor. I knew it was a stupid thing to do, oh. but I think it was the right thing to do. So you ran for mayor in 1975? Yeah, in 75. And was then, it close? No. Yes. Oh. I was, I think, got 45% of the vote. But you know. Yeah, but if you run for mayor, you can't run for council again, so you right. were off after so one term. So I was term. off. So I had to do other things, which I did. We started a store. My, my friend, my, the state representative, and I started a store downtown, which is still there. Yeah, it's, the store is Goods for Cooks goods on for the square, cooks. Yeah. and the state representative was Marilyn, Marilyn Schultz. Marilyn Schultz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, there's so much more we could talk about. I already have so much you know, here. I can barely put it all in one show. Charlotte Zitlow, thank you for speaking with us today. Well, thank you very much for the chance to let me squeak. <laughs> Charlotte Zitlow. Her books are 1971, Why We Won, published in 2022, and Minister's Daughter with Michael Glab, published in 2020. Today, the 812 remembers Julia Karen Lawson, who edited Charlotte's second book. She died last week from cancer. She was a great friend to Charlotte, myself, and many other Bloomingtonians, and she will be greatly missed. Speaking of Michael Glab, who hosts the weekly interview show, Big Talk, on WFHB, yours truly was invited to be his guest on the January 18th episode. Check it out once you've caught up listening to the 812. We'll be back Monday with a Week in Review episode. If you like the 812, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm the host and executive producer, Steve Volan. The 812 is a production of Platea Media. Thanks for listening, Bloomington. You can find more information at the812show.org.